The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Welcome to Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers, a gardening show full of inspiration. I'm Philippa Foes-Lamb, a self-confessed passionate gardener. I've been in the garden industry for many years and I totally enjoy sharing my knowledge with you. Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers is kindly sponsored by Bay Landscapes, 33 Bait Up Road, Richmond. Open Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 5, Saturday, 9 to 5, and Sundays and public holidays, 9 to 4. Today we're focusing on my breakaway to gorgeous Melbourne and late summer tasks. At Bay Landscapes, there's a very important announcement. Bay Landscapes will be closed on Sunday the 12th of February as it's moving day. Bay Landscapes are moving to 38 Artillery Place off Lower Queen Street. Turn at Sandyman Road beside the Nelson Pine slash MDF plant, then turn right into Artillery Place and go right to the end. We'll be open from Monday the 13th of February at our new site. You can still visit us at 38 Bait Up Road until then. So just mark that in your diaries that Bay Landscapes will be closed on Sunday the 12th of February because they're moving to 38 Artillery Place off Lower Queen Street and they'll be open for business as usual from Monday the 13th of February and they cannot wait to see you all there. Well thank you to anyone who did a rain dance whether you're in Golden Bay, Marlborough, Nelson or the Tasman District it worked! Yay! I was so thrilled. I think we, we left on Sunday the, oh, I can't even think of the date. Not, not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before, to go to Melbourne. And we'd been waiting to do this trip for a very long time, and it was such a treat. I have to say I felt so sorry for everybody in the Auckland Departure Lounge, because obviously it, it was just a couple of days after the, they were totally flooded out. And as we were going through the International Departure Lounge, it was just jammed solid with people trying to rebook, etc. So we did feel ever so slightly guilty because we could just walk straight through and go up to our departure gate and go through security, etc. So it was quite a surreal experience for me because I haven't been overseas since 2012, which is quite a long time ago. So it, it, it really was quite an experience. So it has been, so it was lovely to come home. When did we come home? Came home Sunday night, sorry, yes. So I'm, I'm still a little bit jaded, believe it or not, because we had such a busy time. And just gorgeous to have some rain. Although the humidity has been really high, so I've been told. I know yesterday I suddenly thought, boy, this is a lot hotter than Melbourne was. We were really lucky because the day before we arrived in Melbourne, it was 37 degrees, and they have been having really high temperatures. They've been having a lot of hot, dry weather. And the next day, I think it had gone down to, it probably was still around about 23. We only had one day when the sun really came out, and that just happened to be the day when we were going through the Botanic Gardens, and you guessed it. It started off cloudy. By the time we got back to the hotel late afternoon, we both realised that we got slightly burnt which is something that just doesn't happen at home because I'm always slathering sunblock on. But I just didn't realise how intense their, their sun's almost as intense as ours, believe me. So apart from that, we had my favourite weather, which was cloudy with a little peak of sun here and there. And the temperature, I think, averaged round about 21. On Friday, the temperature was meant to be about 15. I think it got to 17. And I was in my element. I just loved it. 
absolutely loved it. One of the reasons I wanted to mention Melbourne is it is one of my favourite cities in the entire world. I lived there in 1987 for probably for about a year and a half and I was very fortunate in those days. We had a, a, a beautiful, well, when I say beautiful, it was quite, it was in a very old sort of stucco apartment building, but it was on the corner of Caroline Street and Alexandra Ave. And we were the third floor up, I think. And it was $75 a week between us. This is in South Yarra. And I used to love walking to work. I used to walk through the Botanic Gardens to get to work. I mean, how wonderful is that? And then when I changed jobs, I used to walk along the Yarra River to go in the opposite direction to get to work. There's just something about Melbourne. Um, both John and I agreed. It's a very livable city. Being rural, it was quite a shock to, to, we don't go to cities often anymore. So it was quite a shock to sort of be in a city environment. But in Melbourne, you don't actually really feel as though you're in a city. It's, it's quite a strange feeling. I think it's partly because of the river and the fact that you've got the Botanic Garden so close. You, basically, the Botanic Garden starts right on the edge of the CBD. So you can be shopping one minute and walking through a glorious Botanic Gardens the next. And also just down from our, we, we stayed in a hotel in Collins Street and just up from our hotel there was Fitzroy Gardens and also the Treasury Gardens and we just looked down on them. We, our room was on the 38th floor which was phenomenal. And the views we had were incredible. We had views over the Yarra River, the Tennis Centre and the MCG on one side out, and also out to the bay and then on the other side we had views across the main CBD. And then from breakfast, that was where we could see the gorgeous Fitzroy Gardens and the Treasury Gardens. And when you actually were up that high and you're looking out, there's trees. It's just trees. You, there's loads of buildings, but there's loads of trees. And I just found that. So it was just gorgeous. We had so much fun. We did do quite a lot of shopping, I might add, but that also required quite a lot of walking. We got a bit of a shock on Thursday. John counts his steps every day. I personally can't be bothered with that, partly because I, I don't have my phone on me all the time. He bought me a Fitbit a few years ago. I think I wore it for three days and decided, I don't really want this thing on my wrist telling me what I'm doing and what my heart rate's doing and all that sort of stuff. So I ended up not wearing it anymore. But I did, <coughs> excuse me, I did really enjoy knowing how many steps we were doing because we realised on Thursday that by Thursday, and we still had till Sunday, We'd already done over 40 kilometres of walking. That is a lot of walking. And we didn't really feel as though we'd done that much. I think one day we did do 12 kilometres, and that might be the day when we ended up walking back through the Botanic Gardens and then along St Kilda Road, etc., back to the CBD. So that was a bit of a shock when we realised we'd done that much walking. I have to say, my feet were letting me know it, but no, I had very comfortable shoes, which is great. Something else that was wonderful, on Swanston Street, which is you know, the, main, the main street that all the other streets go off in the city, in front of a large municipal building, there was almost a whole block of really tall planter boxes. I think the planter boxes would have been about a metre high, and then they were filled with tall sweet corn, silver beet, oregano, basil, you name it, they were in there. I think I even saw some carrots. It was quite interesting because I, I, there wasn't a sign anywhere saying whether you could harvest them or not, which to me seemed to be a little bit of a shame. Um, I'm sure we did see some leaves picked off a couple of silver beet plants. But it was interesting to see. It, it was wonderful to see vegetables growing right there. 
Part of me was thinking, mm, with all the traffic and stuff going past and the fumes, not so sure I'd really want to eat them, but they did look gorgeous. So I never, I, I didn't really find a way of finding out exactly why they were there, um, but just brilliant to see. There's a lot of edible landscaping going on, and I think that's, that's really, really refreshing. You're on Fresh FM. This is Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers, sponsored by Bay Landscapes Richmond. Open Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 5, Saturday 9 to 5, Sunday and public holidays 9 to 4. I'm Philippa Foes-Lamb. Today we're focusing on my breakaway to gorgeous Melbourne and late summer tasks. At Bay Landscapes, we need to repeat the important announcement. Bay Landscapes will be closed on Sunday the 12th of February only as it's moving day. We're moving to 38 Artillery Place off Lower Queen Street. Turn at Sandeman Road beside the Nelson Pine slash MDF plant, then turn right into Artillery Place and go right to the end. We value all of our loyal customers and are looking forward to seeing you at our fabulous new site. From Monday the 13th of February, Bay Landscapes will be operating from 38 Artillery Place. Until then, you can still visit us at 38 Bait Up Road, Richmond. Getting on to late summer tasks, I'm quite pleased it's late summer. I am longing for autumn. It was interesting in Melbourne, I, I kept hearing people going, what's up with this weather? This isn't summer. And I'm thinking, no, it reminds me of autumn and it's heavenly. <laughs> I know, I'm weird. So how did I get on to that? Oh, yes, late summer tasks, that's right. You can tell I've been on a trip. My brain is a little bit fuzzed. Keep an eye on your tomato plants at the moment. Tomatoes can crack when there's rain and then heat. So this humidity, if you think about the inside of a tomato, it's full of liquid. Well, not full of liquid, but it's meaty, but there's some liquid in there. And liquid tends to expand in the heat. So that is why when you get rain and then hot sun or even rain and humidity, that's when sometimes your tomatoes can crack. If you do find some cracked ones, harvest them and use them for tomato sauce or passata. They are still edible. You might just need to cut the cracked area off. Or if you're like me, I tend to throw them to the birds so that the birds can enjoy them. The other thing is too, Lottie, our turkey, she adores tomatoes, as do our chickens. So at this time of the year, I tend to try and give them a bit of a varied diet with half of a tomato here. And if I have a, a, a cucumber that's a bit too large, then I'll slice that in half and give it to them as well. They just absolutely love it. If your plum trees have finished fruiting, mine have, it's time to cut back any diseased or damaged branches or branches that are crossing over each other. Like any sort of fruit trees, they really do benefit from having good airflow flowing through them as this helps to stop disease and it also just, yeah, it's just really good for the tree. When you're looking at your plums, look for silver leaf. You might be thinking, what's that? It is a disease and if your plum tree has got silver leaf, you need to cut the diseased branches off and get rid of them. Take them off your property. Don't put them in your compost heap or leave them lying under the tree because silver leaf will eventually kill your plum tree if, if it's allowed to keep going. And it will spread to other plums too. So what does it look like? It literally looks as though you're, the, the green leaves on the tree have just got a silvery sheen. It's, <coughs> excuse me, it's a little bit similar to the way thrip looks on rhododendrons, but it's almost more silvery. It's almost got a, like a silvery sheen. So it is worth looking out for. Or they might look slight, instead of being like a lovely bright green, they might look a slightly duller green. 
So if you do see that, do get rid of any of the branches, even if it's just the end of a branch that's got it. I would cut the entire branch off or at least two thirds of the branch off because you, you really don't want that to spread. Early apple varieties are ripening now. Do protect them from the birds if you possibly can. In our case, perkikos tend to jump into the trees and steal the fruit before it's even ripe. This can be very demoralizing. I have a couple of quite special apple trees down by our pond. I don't know, well, I do know why I planted them down there. I planted them down there years ago because that was where the best soil was. But of course, we had lots of eucalyptus trees behind them. And I realized very quickly that the, the apple trees weren't going to thrive because they were starved. So once the eucalyptus trees came down, the apple trees have really taken off. And one of them during Cyclone Gita was actually flattened. It was flattened by a eucalyptus tree, the only one that fell that went across the pond. And it's amazing. It, it really was torn. I think it was torn down the trunk. It's recovered. It has healed itself and it is growing like Topsy. And I'm so happy because it's a beautiful Liberty apple. Liberty is a gorgeous apple. It, it, it's what I call this, the snow white apple because it's got really dark red skin and pure white flesh and it is absolutely delicious. So what I must do straight after the show is go down and start protecting them. That's if the Pukikos haven't already eaten them while we've been away. What I tend to do, because the trees are slightly large, I make just a sleeve with the microclima frost cloth and I do what I did with my cherries. I just tend to put it around the apples and tie it at two ends. This means the apples continue to ripen, but the pukikos tend to leave them alone. The other lovely thing about microclima frost cloth is it's open weave, but the weave is tight enough so it deters birds as well. Birds don't tend to peck, peck at fruit through it. The other thing, if your trees are only little, then by all means the best thing to do, rather than using bird netting, the best thing to do is to get some open weave frost cloth, toss it right over the tree and pin it down with weed mat pins. This works an absolute treat. That's what I did with my red currant and I ended up with a lovely red, red currant crop this past season. Continue to harvest courgettes and other summer crops regularly to keep them producing. I recently planted a, in fact, in fact, the day before we went away, I planted a beautiful butter stick yellow courgette. It's grown like topsy. And the green courgette that I planted about a week, maybe two weeks earlier than that, is producing really good courgettes. Our house sitter ate a couple while we were away. So if you do see a courgette for sale still, you can still plant them. We tend to really have a summer, and I'm sure in all our districts we could still plant them. Because we tend to have a summer season that, that does go into March, April, even sometimes April. And the other thing too is if you plant a courgette in a grow bag, you can shift it to the warmest spot. If the weather starts to deteriorate a bit and we're getting slightly colder night temperatures, hopefully, you can move it into a lovely sheltered corner if it's in a grow bag. So that's a wonderful option for this time of the year. If you're growing chilies, chilies will benefit from a side dressing of sulfate of potash now as this, this will help enhance the flavour as they ripen. I'm growing chilies for the first time, and when I looked at them, I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with all these chilies? <laughs> I've got about six plants, and they are jam-packed full of beautiful chilli. Happy gardening. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you have any questions about anything I covered, email me at nelson at freshfm.net. Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers is Tuesday morning, 20 to 11.
Thanks Bay Landscapes, 33 Baytup Road, Richmond, open Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 5pm, Saturday, 9 to 5pm, Sunday and public holidays, 9 to 4pm, for supporting my show. And thank you for joining me. See you next time. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.